0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Book Club. First rule of Book Club is, you must always talk about Book Club. Second rule of Book Club is, tell everyone about Book Club.
1: Hugh Heineck is on the show. He is the author of How to Get a Meeting with Anyone which we've been talking about for the last few weeks and we have enjoyed and we have benefited from as sales professionals, have we not, Michael? Oh. Well,
2: it's got to be interesting, this Stu, because I don't know if you ever listened to the show, but I'm very honest.
1: <laughs> Michael and Good. I are honest honest to a fault. <laughs> you tell me that while I'm drinking my
2: tea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting because I'm doing some recruitment for some guys in the States at the minute. And uh, just the way in which... Um, uh, the two nations convey honesty is very different. You know, the English just say it. Mm. And, the, and the Americans? That now, sort no, of a, they're more polite, much more polite. Much,
1: much more polite. It depends on where they're from, I, I suppose. Oh,
2: but. I think, uh, like, without doubt, pretty much all the uh, guys in the US that I've spoken to have been really, really polite. Yeah, well, we like you. Sorry? We like you. All oh, like, right, Good. Yeah, yeah i got, got to say, we, we appreciate honesty, I mean. <laughs> well, that's my point. So we're here for the people listening. Oh, we're recording this, aren't we, Jonathan? It's on record now. So we're here we're, to talk about the book. So, rolling. So before uh, we get into it, uh, Stu, do you want to just give us a quick pitch on the book of, of, of why sure. people should, um, should read it? Yeah, I've been in lockdown and I need money
1: no no uh, well
0: look here's the thing every great thing that happens in our lives happens because we have the right meetings um i don't know if you had a chance to read it and before we're really going to play around with honesty i'm going to say michael you probably didn't read it right <laughs> i've read every single page of it oh good for you thank you so, you, well, so do you remember book, every do you book remember that i'm uh, sorry i was just going to say do you remember that i i married my my dream girl me this the my danish penthouse i do model. yes that's a great meeting think about the effects that meeting had on on my life it was amazing so but but really it's everything every great thing that happens in our lives happens because we had the right meeting with the right person at the right time and there are always people out there who if you could connect with them um, they would be they could become I don't know, a dream client, a dream mentor, or, or a strategic partner, et cetera. But none of it ha- happens if we, don't, if we can't get through. So meetings are really just essential to life. And um, uh, and the more important, the more able, let's say, that these people are to change the scale of your business or, as I guess, eventually your life, the more difficult they are to reach, generally. Have you, have you found that to be? I mean, I've found that to be true, but- Always,
2: always the case yeah the and the harder then, uh, they are to get through to, the better they are to get through to. Always yeah. the case
0: and then but then they also appreciate I guess they appreciate audacity and uh, um certainly honesty. we're going to be talking about that the whole time, I think but uh, but they uh, they appreciate that, and so when you have put extra effort into your outreach, uh, I think probably the first step would be to understand what they need and how how you fit into their into their world. Uh, if at all. And if you don't, don't call them. But if you do, uh, and you have offered a bring, then you should, that should be well researched. You should know exactly what you should be, what you should be talking about and be ready to very, very quickly express it. So uh, there is that, but you you still need to get their attention.
2: And that's what that book is all about. Mm. To be clear, the book is called How to Get a Meeting with Anybody. Well, with anyone, sorry, anyone, anyone. So Jonathan, I'm going to start. Go ahead, Michael. So, Stu, I've got to be honest, I didn't like a lot of the book. And I was talking to a really good prospect of mine who follows book club, and he said, what book are you reading? And I said, how to get a meeting with anyone. He went, are you enjoying it? I went, no. He went, oh, should I buy it? I said, definitely. And I really sincerely think people should buy it. And, And this isn't meant as a challenge, it's more meant as a question. Because what I found about this book is it made me think more creatively about how i reach out to people in terms of the different medias and mediums that i could use yeah so actually the bit you've see got why about i wouldn't like it though. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, well the bit that you've got about how to cold call and all that kind of stuff you know i've done it for 20 years bloody blah, bar blah, blah. i wasn't so fond of that but there was section 2 i just thought was absolutely excellent and for the people who are listening section 2 Stu's very keen to point out these aren't things for you to copy. These are things for, for you to get you thinking. And that's exactly what they yeah, did. Yeah, that
1: was the killer that, section good. for me too.
2: Brilliant. Brilliant. Just re- I didn't like section one or three. I loved section two. I thought it was absolutely excellent. Now, my question to you is, is I would say that I'm a fairly standard salesperson really. And I think in my standard sales guyness, I'm not particularly creative. This may be more creative, but <clears> perhaps <throat> not creative enough in your experience talking to sales guys, Stu, and I use guy as a gender neutral term, in your experience talking to sales guys, how many salespeople do you think have their creativity mindset open when they are reaching out to prospects? You mean by the book and by our conversation? I mean, in general. I mean, let's yeah. say we got 100 listeners from the show and we assessed whether they were being creative. Do you think we th- would think that they are creative enough by nature?
0: Well, you know, it just unleashes so many different thoughts. So one of them is that I will, I, I, we should probably explain. I'm, I'm um, not only the author of these books, but I'm also a Hall of Fame nominated marketer and um, and one of the Wall Street Journal cartoonists. So, um, and, and I hear a lot that people say, well, this sounds just great. This is fantastic, but I'm not a cartoonist. I can't draw. And I... I'm curious to know why they got that impression probably why I'm saying they thought I was saying you have to be a cartoonist but um, what i'm all all I'm really saying there is cartooning is a thing that I do it's it's very creative thing um, and and so it gives me a I, that's sort of my own secret weapon, but we all have them I think because we all have something that we can do that that um, that exp- I guess that expresses our humanity to the person we're trying to reach. We We, don't, we need to humanize ourselves to that person um, because otherwise we're strangers and not welcome. And so, um, uh, you know, I would say, though, that, that a lot of the... I mean, I think that a lot of the things that I described in the book, I mean, if, if we're doing an interview right now. Mm-hmm. and And I know that you guys have figured out that when you do these interviews, you can... I mean, we're going, to, we're going to be, I hope we're going to be old friends by the time we finish this. <laughs> um, but that's me being, you know, a U.S. kind of guy. I don't know. But I know that, but the thing is, it's kind of a bonding experience. And we'll go through it together. Yeah, we'll yeah. we feel like we've known each other and that we can call each other and say, hey, by the way, Michael, I had a question. And you like, wouldn't feel strange about doing that. And And so these interviews are a great contact device. Now, you don't have to know how to draw to do this.
2: Just no, enough. I love that. I, I thought that Great. was a brilliant that's a brilliant idea. One of your ideas in the book. But I'll give you an example. So I read on page ninety-nine about this man who sells his name is Walsh Schmidt. He sells oh, yes. swords, medieval swords made by a Hollywood, uh, a famed Hollywood prop maker. And I read it thinking, that is absolutely amazing. Isn't it? But literally. You could have offered me a hundred million pounds and said, right, think of that, Mike. There's just no way I could have thought of it because my creativity side isn't creative enough for that is my point about sales. Yeah.
1: So may may I make an adjunct? I think what Mike's getting at, Stu, is that a lot of the people who are purely drawn to sales as a profession, people who are working in perhaps an enterprise software sales environment, I don't know, I'm a, a, A a, a A rep Oracle. You took the words right out of my mouth, as Meatloaf would say. Um, The next line probably isn't quite as congruent with the conversation. Um, But um, I'm a I'm a drone that works at Oracle. Uh, I have the territory of New York State, selling Oracle's hardware. That guy. The reason he's an Oracle drone is because actually he isn't that creative, and I think what Mike's conscious of is we've had to really push our brains here to to try and apply some of the learnings from the book, and actually we have and we yeah. have applied Yeah, it's been brilliant.
2: No doubt about it. Actually, I, wanna, oh, I would love
0: to hear about what you are going to. I'll give you an example it. in a minute. Yeah, but I'm not the host. I
1: get it. Okay, but but. but what we're conscious of is Mike and I meet an awful lot of salespeople and we don't meet many where we think there's two things for me. One is that they're not that creative. And two is I don't believe that many have the latitude to be that creative within the parameters of their work. Uh You know, that, that could be true, but you know, I'm going to show you a really
0: interesting little item, and and again, I'm going to go back because you don't have to know how to draw. In fact, you're seeing all these crazy items behind me, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah we can see them. Yeah, well, I mean, so here's one of them. Like so that? this is a you know, it's a fake coffee spill. It's something that you know what? Do you remember? I don't know when I was growing up, there were these joke shops. You had to go to. I grew up in the Boston area, so you had to go to downtown Boston to find them. But
1: they had all these real cool things that you could. You
0: know like this,
1: like a stick of gum that snapped on your fingers when you took it out, yeah something,
0: yeah, or a buzzer when you hands when you yeah, yeah, yeah. and all those things so but this this kind of falls into that category, but it what it, so I have my my coaching clients um do these, and these are actually so we we have the cards printed uh with their contact basically it's it's like a business card almost, but that's that's something that that he drops off. At the at the front desk when he's when he's saying okay I'm going to do a drop by, I know that the receptionist is not going to want to let me through, so I'm going to hand the receptionist this, and it'll have a note inside and maybe a Starbucks card inside to say hey let's 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 talk over a cup of coffee. But this is a visual metaphor for loss and for risk, isn't it? I mean, it's brilliant. I wish I uh, it's brilliant. I wish I thought of it. (laughs) Well, you you don't (laughs) need to. I just showed you. But so so the thing is. And you mentioned, by the way, you mentioned Dan Waldschmidt's sword campaign. By the way, he doesn't sell swords. He, he gives he, them away. He uses yeah, yeah. them as his contact device, yeah. But he's a turnaround specialist. And he writes a blog, a uh, sales blog called Edgy Conversations. And he's a, he's also a, an ultra-competitive athlete. He runs 100-mile races and wins these races. He's It's crazy. Anyway, so there's all this ultra-competitiveness and, and knife's edge um, – Uh, competitiveness as well to his personal brand so when he sends a sword and he's sending it to someone to a CEO of a company that has just announced uh, missed earnings estimates so they're in trouble Um, he's sending that sword to say as a visual metaphor to say hey this is the value I want to bring to you now he could either say that in a letter and not have a lot of impact or he could send a thousand dollar sword and have all kinds, he has some, that has so much impact. He's getting through to every one of the people that he sends those to. Every CEO who's in trouble that he's read about and sent the sword to has answered his call and had a conversation with him. That's extraordinary. Now how, okay. So, well, I was going to ask, how creative do you need to be? But okay. He was pretty creative about it and pretty audacious about it. But what he did was he said, okay, what's the situation and how do I represent the thing that I want to impart to to the to these potential clients? What's the value I want to express to them? How do I illustrate it to them in a way that is just guttural, that just they get it immediately, which is kind of what cartoons do too. Um, You've really got me like thinking about
1: something here, Stu, actually. Um, I, I, and I do think, Mike, maybe we need to talk about this more as another book we do on the show, because what I'm getting here now is... What Stu's really saying is it's actually about understanding a metaphor. And you're a very literal person, Mike.
2: I know. Uh, That's why I'm called the Tron
1: 3000. People do refer to Mike as the Tron 3000 because he is very, very literal, very um, accurate, and not a man that thinks in metaphors. Mike would never give talk in a metaphor. It's just not how he rolls.
2: But it doesn't mean that my clients don't want to hear a metaphor.
1: A metaphor. And I do think maybe it could be interesting to cover as a book something like Metaphors in Mind by Lawley and Tompkins, or maybe even uh, a a book that was a favourite of mine that I've recommended to a few people, which is called The Magic of Metaphor, which is a book for salespeople, and it's just full of lovely metaphorical stories. And I think that would get us thinking a little bit more because actually what I'm realising is... it's about getting it as a physical visual metaphor rather than necessarily thinking of some crazy madcap
0: idea. Well, I mean, that's one, it, 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 you saw 20 methods outlined in the, in yeah. how to get a meeting with anyone. There are more, I think that there were, there are a dozen more in, in get the meeting. Um, and so it's really just about what, what am I, what is it that I want to express? And then how can I do it in a way that's, not so droll that, you know, like everyone else is doing it. I mean, you know, the, the, one of the most common questions I get from sales reps is, how do I make my emails more interesting? And I'm like, well, stop using email, because everybody's <laughs> using email. You know, use something else. That, that alone will make it more interesting. But it's just about expressing um, the, the value you hope to bring, or maybe an expression of the, of the problem that you hope to help them solve. Um, goes a long way as a visual metaphor. Um, but you know, there's, I mean, during the COVID-19 uh, uh, shutdowns or, or pause, I'm not sure how we how we want to refer to it, but during that time, um, I was holding round tables, just like this on Zoom, and we were talking about how to get meetings. And the fact that because people were working from home, this was perhaps the an opportunity of a lifetime to make connections that you might not have made otherwise. Yeah. Because people weren't traveling, they weren't commuting, they they were at home. They were probably a lot more open to having conversations they might not have had otherwise. So I was conducting weekly roundtables and making all kinds of really, really helpful connections. Um so it this isn't the, that wasn't about I that wasn't about uh sending everybody a sword or or you know, or, or this spilled cup of coffee. It was just you know, connecting. It's just really about making human to human connections. So, and and I know that that's what sales ultimately is as well. Because the people who are who are going to buy from you, of course, they need to need and and trust your solution. But they also need they also need to know, feel like they know you and trust you. And so, a lot of it is selling yourself.
1: Wouldn't you say? Very fair point. Yeah, I agree. I do agree. Um, go on, Mike. Sorry? Go on, Mike, you were going to ask.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, so just on that point, so we're now in this COVID stroke post-COVID world, depending where you are in the world. Well, we're back in the COVID world in a city called Leicester in uh, England as we, uh, as we listen to this. So I'm sure we're we'll going to have these localized lockdowns by the blah. But I think in the final analysis, less people are going to go to an office um, and it's going to be harder to get physical media, uh, physical items to them. Um, what are your thoughts around h- how we can market them in an electronic way, Stu?
0: Uh, well, let's see. I mean, well, I, you know, email and, and social media would be the would
2: be at the, at the vanguard of that. Because um, I've been really struggling to think. Because, and I'm not knocking you suggestions. They are literally every one of them brilliant. They're dynamite. Oh, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. But they rely on somebody getting something physical. And you make a very fair point. You just did now, you know, I'm not getting any response on emails or stop sending them. You know, emails are pretty, pretty rubbish, really. Yeah. yeah. So just thinking about how we can do that and how we can conquer that where we well, can't I'll tell physically you that get I, stuff to people.
0: We, you know, we're doing something electronic right now in this interview. We're, we're, we're doing this via Zoom. And Zoom has become an incredible tool for us to have meetings. This is a meeting that we're having. Mm, yeah. I'll recognize you anywhere and, you know, I'm, I, I this, is, this has a lot of the hallmarks of, or earmarks of of what happens when we actually meet in person. Um, and it's electronic and it's people have gotten much, much more used to it. They're, they know how to get onto Zooms or how to set appointments on Zoom and so on. Um, now here's the interesting thing. When when I was having these roundtables, sometimes the roundtables w- was just a group of people convened from uh, from LinkedIn who just wanted to talk about well, how do I get meetings during COVID nineteen the, the COVID nineteen pause. Um, but others were arranged through referral sources, and in those instances, I had really really concentrated uh, a concentrated bit of opportunity among the people that were on the. On the roundtable because they were all VPs of of sales for uh, for big financial companies um, and that's turning into business uh, now and and so my gosh I mean again I'm, I'm just going to make the point that I, I, there is I don't have to be creative to do that I just have to have something we do actually for a roundtable you just have to have a, 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 something to discuss and then you and, you sort of manage the, the discussion you shepherd it along but what I found was that a lot of the people that I was speaking to who, was, who said, I'd really be interested in learning more about what you do or I'd like to talk to you about perhaps working together. Um, I would ask them if they've read my book, if they, if they know of it, and if they hadn't had a copy of it, I'd say, would you like me to send you a copy? And, and um, so almost all of them said yes. And unless they already had the book, actually, that was what I found. Mm. And so, okay, what address do I send it to? So I'm not even... I know they're working from home and I know they're going to give me their home address, but I just ask, what's the best place? Where do I send it? And you know, it's, it's interesting. Have any trouble giving me their home addresses?
2: It's, it's interesting that because um, in the UK, we've got this thing called uh, Company's House. And basically, Company's House lists company directors. And quite often, I would think 50% of the time, it gives people's home addresses. So yeah. actually, if you want to get through to a decision maker, the, it's quite easy to find, really. I was unsure about sending things to people's home addresses.
1: Yeah, culturally. what we Well, I was unsure,
2: Johnny. I'm not, I was just unsure about it.
0: Yeah, well, I think you should be because it could be perceived as as a violation of privacy if you don't have the permission. So you'll notice that while we're on a round table and I'm asking, would you like to have a copy of my book? Sure, okay, where do I send it? That's certainly, that amounts to permission. You yes. know what's coming. Um, and you know, it, right now, because we're, I mean, the reason we're locked down um, in our homes is because, or sort of semi-locked down in our homes, is because we're trying to avoid a disease. So if you just get something sent to your home, um, and you didn't know, you don't know who it's coming from and why you're getting it, that's probably not a good thing. So I, I agree yes. with you there. But when you have permission, then I think you, I mean, you just ask. And I hadn't even considered this before, but you ask what What are the best What's the best way that we can use either digital or electronic some sort of electronic means of, yes. of connecting? And this is it what we're doing right now. And, and I think the roundtables are a great way to do this because and and have something ready to go something that you'll send afterward um, to to carry the conversation further. I think is a great plan to to, to operate under because then you can send these things. Then they'll tell
1: you where to send them, and they'll be expecting them. Okay. Stu, I have a, something I'd like to ask you, which is Mike and I are in a great position. We're company directors. So if we want to do something that is not usual in the way that we approach a customer, or if we want to do something that might cost 50 pounds, 100 pounds tomorrow, that we think might get as a return on investment, It's not difficult for me to ring Mike and say, Mike, we do this campaign. It's going to cost us $1,000. I'm going to send 50 spilt coffee cups out to 50 very targeted prospects. Mike and I will quickly discuss it. Done. Campaign's on its way. Freelancer sends me the designs. Dun, 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 dun. dun. Mm -hmm. We've got that agility and we have the empowerment to make those calls very quickly and very easily. Going back to my drone that works at Oracle, who covers New York State and wherever, he doesn't have that flexibility to create a campaign. I, I was working with a, a salesperson the other day where the marketing material that they had was several years old. I said, Well, have you thought about just designing it yourself and just getting on with it, pay a freelancer and claim it back on expenses? the individual concerned actually said at the time, well, I'll probably get sacked for that. I'll lose my job if I did that. Um, and there's no way they'd sign off those expenses. So yeah. how does a drone in a big company and you'll have, I'm sure had this with coaching clients. How do they circumvent that in order to put that level of creativity into their contact approaches?
0: I got a great story for you. Um After, how to get a meeting with anyone came out I don't know uh, maybe a year after it came out someone I was contacted by someone named Dom Steinman and Dom was telling me that when he was just about to finish his uh, finish college um, he was recruited to work as a sales development rep for a big um, late stage startup in Silicon Valley California and uh, and he and he was excited about that but then he realized what he was what he landed in was a sweatshop <laughs> what they wanted him to do was well, actually the whole room of people to do is make 100 phone calls a day um and and he was lamenting to a friend one night at dinner that this that wasn't working at all no one was having conversations or they might have one conversation a day and and no one was selling anything and so what are, it's just saying to his friend what do i do and the friend Suggested my book, so he read the book over the weekend, and he said, "Okay, right. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to continue to make those hundred phone calls a day. I don't want to get fired, um, but I'm going to use deep personalization. What I described as deep personalization, and in, in uh, this is mirrored in behind this in this book at the meeting. Yeah. Um, so deep personalization relies on profile scrapes, a social media profile scrape. So what he was doing was very quickly finding out what who, who are some of these people that I would really, really like to get through to? What are they interested in? What are they talking about? What are their hobbies? How do I approach them in a way that is meaningful to them? So the first fellow that he targeted, he discovered he was really very involved in family cooking and technology. So he took two out of three and he had a a, a barbecue apron uh, embroidered with a Stanley C. Clark. A Quote something to the effect that technology sufficiently advanced will appear as magic So he had that embroidered across the the uh, the barbecue apron and sent it to him mind you This is someone that no one in his company was able to get through to before and the guy responded right away and He said, thank you so much. Wow. Thank you. This is really wonderful. And 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 What did you want to talk about? They they ended up getting a a six-figure deal pretty quickly Okay. Um, and so his his cohorts were saying how the hell did you do that and he said well um, you know here's what here's how I did it and well would you teach us how to do this sure so the so the first first fellow that of course uh, uh, colleague that he worked with said okay here's another one that you know none of us have been able to reach and i want to reach him so i said okay let's do a profile scrape let's th- look through his social media profiles and and feeds and let's find out what he's interested in and they quickly discovered He's very, very interested in falconry. So they went to a falconry site, talked to the owner, said, we want to send a gift to someone who's really interested in falconry. What do we send? What do we buy for him? And the the fellow recommended this glove. So they all, there's a glove, that big ornate glove that they hold the birds on. So uh, he said, send this, buy this glove for him, send it. Okay, great. So Dom said, first thing we're gonna do though is we're, I mean, after buying it, let's download the picture of the glove and send it to him in an email. And so they did that and said, the email said, uh, hey dear, um, I don't know what his name was, Bob. uh, We're, I'm reaching up and I I just wanna let you know, I'm sending you this Falconry glove. I know you're really very, very interested in Falconry and I hope you enjoy it. And the reason I'm reaching out is this. It's a very quick email. Um, And the guy, mind you again, this is someone that none of their their team had been able to get through to. He responded immediately via email and said, hey, that's very, very nice of you. Thanks so much for the glove. I'm, I'm, I will enjoy it, but I have to tell you, <clears throat> I'm just, I'm not a prospect for what you sell. So right. I'm sorry about that, but thank you so much for sending the glove. Well, then the glove arrives and, and completely different thing. Well, it's not that he isn't a, isn't a prospect, but you know, people who aren't prospects can still make referrals. And that's what happened. He said, oh my God, I got the glove, I love it. Um, here's what I'm going to do for you. I know of three CIOs who are looking for exactly what you're selling. So I'm going to make introductions. So three more six-figure deals ensue. Now, you know, and so that keeps spreading throughout the throughout the. So my SDR. question,
1: yeah. Stu, is did the guy from the startup claim on his expenses for the glove? I'm not sure, but you know, he made
0: a deal. <laughs> he got deals that weren't happening otherwise. Okay. See, I, you. I'll tell you though, to, I mean, to finish the story, what happened then afterwards is the management noticed and they said, what's going on, Dom? What's going on in the, w- with you guys? What are you doing differently? And they all pointed to Dom. Dom became, he was promoted to sales manager. This is within a year of graduation from college. That's um, cool. So, so they they just said, "Well, wow, whatever you're doing, keep doing it, and and we want you to be our sales manager." And that was, that was a company that they ended up being purchased by Cisco for 4.7 billion dollars, and they're a multinational company. So, we became in a, in the span of a year the sales manager for that for that company, and, and look at what they're doing. They're they're just fashioning gifts based on 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 whatever they're finding in these profile scrapes. and they, you know, it, it could be just Noticing something in the background of a picture. I mean, Michael, I could take a snapshot of yours and I might zoom in on, let's say your bookcase and And find I like maybe I can spot a book by an author I know and I could get you a signed copy of that book. I mean, that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about. Yeah, it's it's, These are
2: Sorry, but you see, that is what I was talking about, about making me think more creatively. Mm-hmm. So I sent two emails. One, these are both two quite senior people. One of them couldn't get him to return my call. Turns out I looked on Facebook, he's really into a folk band. I can't remember the name of the singer now. And uh, the subject title is a line that he sang, and it was in his Facebook feed when he was in his cover band. And the line goes Slow gin, slow gin trying to wash away the pain inside. That's the subject title of the email, which to right. most people, you know, means nothing, <laughs> obviously. But to him, and then I put, what caused that? Uh, was that caused by trying to find a recruiter who wasn't a 22-year-old snowflake and could actually help you? I mean, obviously, he came straight back to me. Like, he came straight back to me. The second one I had was this guy is into, really into Woody Allen. So I sent him an email, and I found that off uh, Facebook. The subject is Woody Allen, and it goes, "Bill." I said, it goes, Woody Allen said, 80% of success is showing up. Michael Price said, 80% of success is hiring, right? And, and it's a little bit more. And then he came back to me. And that's my point about the book, which is, Beautiful. I don't like a lot of the book, but if I hadn't read that book, I wouldn't have thought of that. No that's, chance at all.
1: Yeah, that's been Don. the killer takeaway for us, Steve. You know, if you
0: got a return on investment that is a positive inter- return on investment on my book, then I'm happy.
2: Well, I did. You know, I don't know how much the book is, $18 or something? Yeah. You know, are, are those two contacts worth more to me than $18? Yep, 100%. I would say, right? Definitely. <laughs> we're, we're, yeah. no, there's no question about that. There's no question. And actually, then I've learned something that I'm going to use over and over and over and over and over again. That's fantastic. Go, yeah. I think it's great. I,
0: just, I love that. And, you know, what you found was a, a different wrinkle. I've never even heard of anyone doing that.
2: Until well, there now. you go. Put it in the book. Put it in the it's second going book. going to go in book number three in the next <laughs> edition.
1: In the yeah.
2: next so, edition. So here's one then for you on page uh, 186, You talk about the anti pitch. Go on, talk to me for a moment about the anti pitch. Well, you made
0: a you made an anti pitch in the first one. The, the second one was a pitch. Think about it. I mean, Woody Allen said eighty per once said that. Yeah, 80% just, of success is just showing up, and um, and Michael Price says 80% of success is hiring me. So that's a bit of a pitch. Yeah, yeah. okay. Although it's a little bit of an anti-pitch, too, because you didn't step in and say, God, how many times have we seen pitches? You know, on LinkedIn, people who connect with us and they say, thanks so much for connecting. I hope you're doing well today. And uh, I just wanted to tell in case you need, and they go off on something that you don't need, you know? Yeah. Uh, And and certainly didn't need to read about at that instant. Um, That's a pitch.
2: So your your anti-pitch is subtly not pitching?
0: I think the anti-pitch is humanizing yourself first. Okay. Yeah. I think that's really what it is. You know, in both of those cases and I, I don't even use this term in these books, but I, I may a, maybe it'll be a new book, I don't know. But what we're really trying to do is, facil- we're trying to make flip moments happen. So we want someone to go from here, you've reached out, you've gotten their attention, you've, you've in- interrupted them. Mm. And they're saying, I want, we want them to go from who's this to my God, who is this? I mean, we, just, we really want them to think. We want, mm-hmm. really want them to say to themselves, Michael, I love the way you think my God, I don't know how you found out that I'm a Woody Allen fan, or I don't know how you found that, I forgot what it is,
2: Slogan, slow well, yeah. Well, actually, the Woody how Allen guy- How would you guy, even know that about me, right? they, they You know, it says volumes about you. Well, the Woody Allen guy, his response was, I like your style. So I'd reached and connected with him. Like that. So, 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 and then he replied with other stuff, with his mobile and stuff like that. So, so, so you know, recruitment's no different to any other kind of sales is- most people's answer is just trying to scream more loudly than ne- than the next man. Whereas mm-hmm. actually, what your book is about is just trying to communicate differently. I like the term you've used, humanise, and that's a good term. That and I like the way you're talking about the metaphor with the cup as well.
0: Yeah. Now you know cartoons do the same sort of thing.
2: Um, yeah. Jonathan was laughing because I reckon I could draw a cartoon as good as yours.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, you can
2: give it a try. Not sure I could really. <laughs> um, it's funny because people
0: will say, yeah, my kid draws cartoons. I think, or my kid is a good cartoonist. No, I don't think you understand what's going on with these. Yeah. All. But, um, uh, you know, cartoons, have, they're magical. I mean, i you know, and I started out in my career, um, I had sort of this parallel track going. I studied marketing at, at um, USC in, in Los Angeles. But I was also very, very interested. I just loved cartooning and I wanted to get into it. I just wanted to put, you have to barge your way into it. So I wanted to barge in. Mm. And and so I became, I I started getting published in LA and became a member of the Cartoonist Guild. One of the things they sent me was an article from Folio Magazine, which talked about cartoons. And this magazine, sorry, Folio is a magazine for people who publish magazines. So it was advising the editors to start running cartoons in their magazines because readership surveys were showing that they were the best read and best remembered part of any publication they're in. In fact, in the case of newspapers, when, back when we used to read them, but in the case of newspapers, think about what a newspaper was physically. I mean, it's this folded batch of, of paper. So the front page should be the best read, but it wasn't. What they were finding was that the cartoons buried somewhere inside in some others some section within the paper were still the best read and remembered parts of the, of the newspapers. Wow. So I knew that there was this really very powerful device going in and, and, and proved it um, in my sort of the first, I don't know, dozen or 20 years of my career because I was creating direct mail campaigns that used, used cartoons with personalization and it worked very, very well. And, and that's the same thing that I've been using in my own contact campaigns. So, um, so here's here's one that, you know, here's one that says, actually, usually I don't personalize this one. So it would just be, hey, listen, we got your proposal. We like everything except having to pay you. And <laughs> someone actually said that to me, or <laughs> just about that. Right. And and so I use that card or, or that cartoon. Um, when I have a stalled proposal, I just, you know, sometimes people just get stuck and proposals certainly get stuck. So I send that and I say, I usually, I don't, Ask them, hey, would you please respond to the proposal? I just say, hey, uh, dear Bob, just seems to come up, to come up as the name all the time. So, hey, Bob, um, sorry it didn't work out this time. Maybe next time. And it's like dragging a string around a corner from a cat; they can't resist pouncing. And so they'll they'll often call. They'll say, oh, oh my God, I didn't mean to, didn't mean for it to drift and drift like this. I wasn't quite ready to give you an answer, but of course we want to work with you, and we want to pay you even. <laughs> so
2: that's good. I- it's <clears smart. throat> I, I like the idea of, of the cartoon. You know, Mickey taking aside, I'm going to have a go at drawing some, but <laughs> I'm not sure that we're going I'm nice
1: going to hire, hire a freelancer to do mine.
2: Nah, I, I'm going to draw a, one. Well, I, have, I should give a plug.
0: This is part of a new thing I'm doing called Bottomless Box. See that little logo bottomless
1: there? Bottomless Box. Tell us about bottomless this, Skew. Go on, you get your plug for coming on the show. It's a, it's a set of PDFs
0: that you can, or, or you know, they're, they're I don't have one flattened out, but this is, that's why they get printed so it's on an eight and a half by 11 inch sheet it's um i i um license pdfs that are editable so you can personalize the cartoon print it out so it's all these Ooh, desktop, that sounds welcome desktop,
1: desktop pc or desktop contact campaigns i'm looking and it I, up as we speak bottomless box this It sounds no, good though but I'll I'll, it's a currently it's a dark souls wiki for the video game. I don't think that's the one. I I don't think that's the one I'm looking for. Is it? Uh, no, (laughs) (laughs) um, let's have a look. Uh, We Um, will find it after, but you, that, that is interesting both to myself and Michael, because we, we are bought into the concept. I think our, our, we've already talked about it and Mike's covered it a lot is it, this whole new world of people not being in offices and getting physical things to them, I think, is going to be challenging. Don't you, mind? Yeah. yeah. I do. I do, think,
2: I do think it's progression-based. I, yeah. I, I do, but, I t- but I'll tell you what I also think about it, which is, is before I had read this book, I wouldn't have thought of any of the things in it. No. So I think that somebody who is smarter than me from a creative using... Uh, using your term, contact marketing campaign, somebody who can think of a smart enough contact marketing campaign will overcome that barrier of physicality. Yeah. Yeah, Now, quite what the answer's going to be, I don't know, but for sure, you know, you, Stu, or, you know, somebody, well, you will think of something that goes, yeah, I don't need to post anything. I can do it like this. I also think... think That's going to happen.
1: One of the things
0: you you and I would... (laughs) but you did something that you you mentioned it at one of the earlier chap you actually mentioned the page number so you know it better than i do but <laughs> um, but you'd said that you you reminded that that um i had said look these aren't meant to be just
2: copied they're meant yes to yes fire. yeah you had yes. start section exactly, 2 that's what you said
0: yeah and you did exactly that with your emails i love what you did how much it didn't cost you anything free yeah yeah it, it just i mean so you you, you had asked about the drone,
2: the poor drone. And uh, This in, poor in, drone, there's some guy who works for Oracle
1: who's sat saying, there right now hating Oregon. So uh,
0: are you kidding? Stop ragging
2: on
1: us. <laughs> <laughs> Oracle's a great
0: company. No. But but you know, you can just anybody can do what you did. Mm. But True. you know, and it does there's if you so you mentioned that the drone drone at Oracle who doesn't have the chance to create his or her own campaigns and uh, you can't spend $1,000 every time they reach out to someone. Of course, they should come up with something else. You don't have to spend a lot of money to do this, as you just demonstrated. Mm. And I think what you demonstrated were two things. One was, uh, elsewhere in the book, I'd said, if you're going to use email, be very brief. And in fact, use a dozen words or less.
2: That's me anyway, Stu. You
0: did yeah. that. So you combined that with, with deep personalization. You did a be- beautiful
1: job, actually. Oh, and, thanks. I think something, Mike, that, that we've not picked up on and that I thought was very powerful in the book that was another big takeaway for me was the concept of, if you look, for example, at our business, you Mike and I have a very big playing field that we could go at. If we wanted, there are thousands of organizations who could possibly want our services. And one of the things we did a while ago was being very clear with what the definition of an ideal customer is to us as a business mm-hmm. Um, and you've kind of taken that a little, in a way, a step further, which is saying, well, why not have a list of 100 prospects that you damn well know are absolute bang-on target customers? where yeah. you would give your left arm to engage with that client. And they don't even – it doesn't have to – I said that that you
0: develop a top 100 list, and I'm saying winnow it down. I, I am doing – it's exactly the process you just described, but it could be a list of one. I mean, it doesn't yeah. have to be 100. Um, and there are there are a few stories that have come up where it was just one prospect uh, One person who was the target of a campaign and the results. Well, of course You're either it's binary. You're either going to get through or you're not if yep. you get through though the 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 reaction or I should say the um, the, it's the ROI uh, the, the the profit on it can be enormous and so I I talk about in in the in, in get the meeting I'm going to pull it out. And so in this guy there's this one story of a startup that um, that was selling a tongue cleaner, and they were <laughs> they were in business for a year already, and they were selling a lot. They sold sold a million dollars worth of these tongue cleaners just through YouTube videos, but they wanted to go to the next step and get into Walmart. So there's only one Walmart. Well, there is Amazon similar, but I, there's only one Walmart, and <clears throat> and so they uh, they used. A, um oh, they, at first they they went through the regular process of applying to their buying department, and of course that's a dead end it's, or let's say it's at least a very crowded channel don't use crowded channels doesn't that make sense? Don't do that, and they figured that out, and they decided, okay we're going to run an ad in Facebook, and it's going to it's going to be targeted directly at the buyers at walmart, and we're going to we're going to confine it to the zip code. In Bentonville, Arkansas, where their where their headquarters are, and we'll narrow it down by education and and age range, and that should hit their buyers. Um, and so this ad ran for two days, and it said, "Well, it said Walmart employees have bad breath, and but you won't if you run if you if you sell our product in your stores." So they heard from the communications department. Um, and they—it it wasn't a positive response, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> At first, they were saying, "Are you the ones who are running this ad?" They said, "Yes, we sure are." We'll take, would you take it down? Of course. Was this run nationally? No, 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 no. It was run just to you. It was just run to your to your That's headquarters. A smart really. idea. You know, They said, "Well, how did you do that?" And and they got into this conversation about how they're really pretty good digital marketers, and <clears throat> and that led to an introduction to the dental uh, dental supplies buyer. And that buyer said, could you could you support a, uh, an order for 1.5 million units? And they said, sure. Or no, I'm sorry, 7, 735,000 units. Sure, that was a million and a half dollar order. Mind you, they had only made a million dollars worth of sales the year before. So it was a million and a half dollar order. But then, I, and I asked this, I interviewed the CEO, so, said, well, what happened to the valuation of the company? I mean, you went from a startup, you've been around for a year, and you had a, a million dollars in sales, and now suddenly you're rolled out in, in Walmart. And that that is probably the first of many orders, but you're, you're in 6,800 stores suddenly. What did that do to the value of your company? And he said, I, I think it multiplied at 10x. So he figured it was a $2 million valuation before and a $20 million valuation after that phone call so that was a twenty million dollar moment of, a, of, from, from a twenty million dollar idea. Yeah, Brilliant. and a, and a campaign to essentially one, really one person it was just they needed to reach that buyer, that dental products buyer at Walmart, and get an order, and that's exactly what happened. By the way, that's the biggest response I know of from a contact campaign. So that was a if you if you do the if you run the numbers, twenty eight dollar investment and a twenty million dollar. Return that's a sixty nine million five hundred thousand
2: percent ROI. I'm glad you told me that. I wouldn't be able to work it out. Crazy number.
1: That's cool. That's cool. And what's next for you from a writing perspective? I'm
0: working on a really really interesting book. Um, It's it's called the Weed Strategies, and it is a growth model based on what weeds do. We all want to grow. We want our business to grow like weed. We want when we're kids we wanted to grow like weeds. I suppose. But we all want that kind of growth—that rapid, sustainable, undeniable growth. Um, and you know, it, this came from driving down the freeway in 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 Los Angeles. I was driving down the Santa Monica freeway, right. and it was back when traffic moved fast, moved quickly. Doesn't quite so much anymore. But you know, in between 12, 12, um, 12 lanes of just roaring traffic and all you know, all this concrete. And in between all that was was a concrete uh, median area, and and I noticed as I was driving down that freeway that in a crack in the in the concrete there was this dandelion happily unfurled and running running its process. And I thought, isn't that amazing? In the sea of impossibility, it found a way. And how did it find that way? Well, wasn't it significant that it was a, a weed, a dandelion, as opposed to let's say a rose bush? It wasn't a, obviously. A rosebush wouldn't find its way there. A petunia wouldn't find its way there, but a dandelion has a very, very different set of tools and processes. And and as a result, it has highly mobile seeds. Those seeds probe everything because they blow around. And when they find a crack, they grow. And and then you think about, well, what, I don't know. It just, it grew and, and it just seemed like I, they're not real. I don't know that they're happy, but but it seemed to happily run its process wherever it was. So it wasn't depressed that it ended up in the middle of a freeway instead of, let's say, at the beach. It just ran its process, and it ran it in a way that was—I um, I, I suppose you could say—it had optimism. It wasn't depressed, but it was also—it was—it was urgent and, um, and and persistent and nimble and and all those wonderful attributes that we ascribe to the, the best of, of entrepreneurs and the best of business people. But I suppose the best of salespeople really anyone in business I think can probably benefit from taking a look at what weeds do and applying it to either their own personal stock or their companies. So that's, that's what I'm working on.
1: Really interesting. Sounds, fascinating sounds good. To see what they do. Sounds great. And when, when do you reckon we'll see that?
0: Um, you know, well, here's the thing. I'm not sure how quickly it'll get finished. So it'll either be spring next year or spring the following year. Okay. The thing is, it needs to, it needs to release the last week of April, first week of May, because certainly in Seattle that's when I noticed the weeds coming up, uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I want the right? weeds, all the weeds uh, are yeah. coming up in, in the northern hemisphere, to
1: be my memes for the book. So, cool, uh, it's Love coming. It. Though. Well, Stu, I've got to tell you, there's parts of the book that we didn't enjoy, some of it where we were a bit like, oh, come on, we know we know a bit more than this guy about this. But what we have got is tangible benefit out of this book. And as both Michael and I have said is, if somebody asked me, did you enjoy the book? I'd say, "Uh, some of it, if somebody said, would you recommend it? Is it worth eight, nine quid of my money? I'd say, for the paradigm shift, absolutely.
2: Definitely, yeah. I I really really do think that I think it it added a creativity part that I don't really have and got me thinking and let's get it right. It's got, it's got two people to return my call that I've never spoken to. So
0: you know, Michael, I think the thing that you're doing with email, it can probably change the course of your business. And I, I say that without, I'm not promoting my book. I'm just, I'm really excited for you. And I want to say something about the, the response that you had, because I think it's probably a very natural response. You know, people do this stuff naturally. And so, when and if I get up and speak in front of a room full of people, and ask, "Hey, by the way, I'm sure there are there, there are probably certainly stories, but but also tactics and 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 um, methods for breaking through that I've never heard of that are sitting in this room right now." Does anyone have a surefire method for breaking through, and without without fail, they'll come up with something I've never heard of. So it's something really? we all do naturally. And and uh, and so I would expect, I would hope that you'd look at some of that and say, "Well, I've already been through some of that." I mean, duh, I know that that executive assistants are are critical to getting through to to people who are very important if they have them, um, and I know that I have to I have to work with. I don't know, something like that may not be much of a revelation to you, but it could be to others. So you know, in a book like that, I have to cover
2: it for everybody. Um, no, I
0: get that. I'm just I'm really thrilled to to know that you
2: got what you got from it. It was great. Yeah, it was a really, it was a high spot. I've enjoyed you. I've enjoyed speaking to you. Um, Johnny's the host, really, but I'm going to steal his thunder for a moment. I'm quite John, happy with John this because I host.
1: always do the hosting, bit, So it's nice, nice to have the break today. But
2: I've got to say, you know, I, I've enjoyed uh, your time here. I thought you've been a thoroughly fascinating man. Um, I really have. I, th- I just think you're just to, every time you tell me something i think oh god why don't i think of that that's a good idea the coffee cup the bloody card the cartoon the facebook ads i'm obviously going to do all these now um, but uh, thank you for coming on the show yeah thank, thank you, you so Steve. much it's been great thank you so much cool